welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. How's everybody doing out there? Good? Hot? It's summer? It's about 97,000 degrees in Louisiana. Um, it sucks. I hate it. I'm ready for spring again, if that exists anymore. Um, so, I've got a super good, super long interview today with an old friend of mine. Um, these are super special to me because these are people that I never thought would get sober. Um, this is someone I used to buy drugs with, someone I used to shoot drugs with, um, people that you just either expected to be dead, life in prison, that sort of thing. I mean, I never expected to be sober, A, much less, um, surrounded by friends that I used to use with um so it's just cool it's super special um not gonna take too much time because it is it turned out to be a really long interview that could have been even longer but it's a really awesome story um so I guess without uh oh before that yeah you if you people always asking me Jed how can I how can I help the show I'll tell you uh word of mouth um, share our Facebook page, uh, subscribe to our channel, leave a review on iTunes. Um, word of mouth, though, mainly. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your coworkers. Uh, get your cats involved. They know all them street cats. No? Alright, well, you know, send us an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Uh, sign up for our Patreon for bonus episodes, patreon.com backslash church and other drugs. And y'all just sit back and enjoy uh, my good buddy Sean as he spills his guts. So, Dr. Lazarus, uh, you were telling me... Um, you can call me McFly. I'm going to call you... Well, no. So, I'm going to call you Dr. Lazarus, because then I can uh, pitch this whole episode like I'm talking to a doctor. Uh, well, you are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> McFly. <laughs> may, may proceed. Uh, yeah, you may proceed. Um, what? So, you texted me a vague message yesterday about uh, having a meeting with the... You met the dude from Popeye's Chicken. You met Popeye? Yes, this is actually Popeye. So, uh, as you know, I I do work for money sometimes. Yeah, that's how and, it works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so, um, 
we ended up getting uh, some fryers. Canes was Kane switches out their fryers every few years or so, and we had some good fryers. So we got a call. We, are, we actually, um, my boss stopped on the side of the road because he was being waved down by somebody in another truck. Turns out he knows this guy named Russell Jones. Russell Jones is what um, he, him and Al Copeland from down here started Popeye's chicken back in the day. And Russell Jones is actually Popeye. He's the, he's actually got a, an, an eye that kind of, no, you know, sat in a little bit. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, uh, uh, you probably heard some of the stories with my boss. So I don't believe a lot of the shit that happens until it actually happens, but this, this was all real. So Russell Jones got us these fryers into this place down here on government street out here. And, um, He's uh, let me give you a little backstory of why he's doing this. He's he's trying to open a restaurant on Government Street. It's going to be a, a breakfast and brunch type of place, and um, he's just getting it started. He's just putting all this stuff in there. It's an old Chinese restaurant that got shut down for rumors of people eating dogs. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's true. This, yeah, he bought this place up, and um, he wants to do something with it. So I'm like. I'm still kind of hesitant because, I mean, I talked to the guy and he's like, yeah, I'm Popeye. And he took his sunglasses off, showed me his fucking Popeye. He's like, Here, here's my ID, my <laughs> fucked up eye. Yeah. So, and of course, I still had, to, I did a Google search on him and everything. Oh, yeah. I needed, yeah. I needed all the proof. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's the age of you don't trust anyone ever yeah. anymore. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, except for Google. Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah anyway he started he was talking about how he wants to open this uh this new business up i'm getting away from the backstory so he did he doesn't have all the popeyes money you think this is some like you know fat rich guy looking like the kfc guy in a white suit he's got gym shorts on you know he's he's uh he's getting up there in age um he, he bummed a cigarette from me you know <laughs> yeah. what <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> That's that's what kind of made me hesitant too. I'm like, where's all his money? He, I mean, he drives a nice car. His, his old lady has a Corvette, um, but you know, uh, you, you just think of Popeye as somebody having a lot of money. So the story goes, back in the day, he um, he started Popeyes with Al Copeland. Al Copeland separated, made Copelands, obviously, and um, he uh, something happened along the lines of tax evasion in the '80s. And Al Copeland wasn't paying his taxes. Well, when... It was the fucking eighties. Ain't nobody paid yeah, their right? taxes back then. Yeah, I know. He think none of that shit would catch up with you, but it does. And um, he uh, he lost a lot of money to that. They came after all their money. Uh, Al Copeland ended up screwing them out of a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure how much of this part of the conversation he wanted me to reveal, but here we go. He yeah. uh, he told Al Copeland he that. He would outlive him and someday piss on his grave, and he says that he had done so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, so there's that. Good. So if we we get to the point where, you know, uh, Allison, my lady, she um she has the dream of opening up a restaurant someday. So I, I told the guy because he was he was talking. He was like, "Look, I don't have anybody else. My kids. One of my kids uh, has his own kickboxing." thing that he does the other kid is uh i think he, he's uh, suffers some from some form of autism i believe 
I'm not sure about that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, none of his kids want anything to do with what he's doing right now. And uh, he wants to open this place up. He knows he doesn't have that much time left, according to him and his wife. And he wants to start something up before he goes. It's just what he's always done. It's what he knows how to do. He loves doing it. So I told him that uh, my girlfriend has a dream of opening a restaurant. And um, he was like, well, look, tell her to come up here. That's about where we're at right now. He wants to go 50-50 in with her managing the new place that he's opening up. So far, we haven't talked to him. She doesn't know exactly what she wants to do yet with it. Right. I'm going to hash out all the details, but. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, you heard it here first. This will this will be the intro of like 10 years down the line, What you know, whatever it's called, like Nanny McFooks or something. Like, we'll be like, oh, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, this is where it started on Church <laughs> and Other Drugs. You heard it here first, folks. Um, yeah, we'll so, be meeting with him Saturday for that, so. Well, that's awesome, dude. Um, dibs on uh, living off of your fabulous wealth. We good with that? Yeah, that's fine. Sweet. You, you, also, you also heard it here first? <laughs> yes, that is as good as a signature. I'm set, baby. All right. Giving up my girlfriend's money right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all? My Yeah, my, my wife just got a job at Whole Foods, and I'm like, baby, you stick with that shit. Benefits, Benefits, dude. That's what it's all about. So, I have been, uh, I've been knowing this man since I was since my first rehab job uh, in the mall of Louisiana. Um, He was a young dreadlocked uh, bus boy across the way from the the CC's Coffee that I worked at. So that was my first introduction to him. And um, getting ahead of myself, we yeah we. Ended up uh, running the same circles, getting into the same things, and kind of came in and out of each other's lives for a long time. And then, lo and behold, we both ended up sober. So I wanted to get him on here and uh, tell his little tale. Because, um, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard it start to finish. And he just told me that he's never told it. So the exclusives in this episode are just out the wazoo. Like, world premiere. World premiere. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, man, where you... Uh, Start where it always starts. Where are you from? How'd you grow up? How your mom and them? <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Um, I grew up in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, out here on them streets. Um, no, not really. Let's see. My, I guess what we're we're starting with uh childhood. I was born at a really young age. That's for sure. Um, I uh. I, don't know, I had a I had a pretty all right childhood from what I remember. I'm actually in the house now that I started out in as a kid. This is my grandparents' house. We're living here right now until um, the baby gets a little bit older and until I don't know, you know, it's helping my grandma out too while we're around here. Somewhat. Did you grow up, did you grow up with uh, mom, mom and dad or? No, um, <clears throat> no, I. Uh, it was just me and my mom. She was uh, the youngest of five children, and she kind of um, moved back into her parents' house whenever I was born to help out. My dad, who also suffered from drug addiction, kind of um, hmm. left out of the picture when I was young. They got I, 
you know, I was just talking about this recently. I'm not sure if they got married while my mom was pregnant, just so I wouldn't be a bastard technically <laughs> mm, yeah. or, uh, or what the story was with all that. But I know that um, not long after they were married, she, or, I mean, he, he ended up, um, I've heard two different sides of this story. I don't know if it's both or what, but um, he either robbed a bank or a pharmacy or both. Um to get money for, you know, heroin, um, the Lotteds, I heard was his fave. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, he got caught up doing that. He actually, he, he got away for a little bit. He got shot on the way out of wherever he was robbing and, uh, still made it out about seven, eight, nine years, something like that. Um, Holy shit. yeah, yeah. Uh, finally caught up with him years later. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll we'll get back to the the whole dad part because he ended up actually coming back, and it's a very strange part of my story. Uh, um, okay, yeah. So he was on the run for a little bit. Uh, I didn't actually even I didn't you know I, I, it wasn't it wasn't weird for me growing up without a dad because I just you know that's just what I knew. It didn't really. So you never, you never knew him at all. No, oh, no. Wow. I mean, I, I I hadn't seen him until my mom had bought an apartment when I was probably like, uh, I couldn't even tell you without lying here. Um, I don't know. We were at an apartment and he had just recently gotten let out of prison or something. And he came to the house. I was really young and it was, it was just really awkward. He, he came by and I don't really even remember it. I remember just like going up to my room and being like, this is really weird Mm. kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, he disappeared right after that. He uh, went back off to, I think he was living in Arkansas, something like that at the time. So when did you um, start getting into drugs? Uh, Let's see. I think I smoked weed for the first time when I was about 12 years old. We uh, took him here. Yeah, we took a beach trip. We were out in Florida. It was a very strange situation. It was me, my cousin, and his best friend at the time. And we were walking down the beach, a bunch of little kids. We stopped because my cousin's friend, who had already been, I guess, probably doing drugs for a while, he, he, uh, he told us to stop at this little circle they had at the beach. And they had some people passing a blunt around. And when it came to him... He stood up with the blunt and walked off down the beach with it and just started passing it. <laughs> just just left awesome. the circle and walked off with us, and we smoked the rest of this Not thing. Not cool, I'll, I'll man. Never, <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget going to uh, – we went up to the pool, and I was, you know, just laughing my ass off. And I'm like, fuck, my, you know, my parents are going to know that I'm stoned for sure. This, these headphones are making me feel really weird. <laughs> are they? Yeah. Um, so I jumped in the pool with all my clothes on, like, oh, I got to get this smell off of me. My mom's going to know what weed smells like. So I jumped in the pool with all my clothes on, like, that's going to look a shitload better. (laughs) 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 Wetting all my clothes. Um, so that, that was my real, like first experience. So I'd, you know, broken the ice with that. And it wasn't long after that, I started noticing which of my friends were smoking cigarettes and usually you can lead you smell your way back to the weed from that. And 
started smoking out of Coke cans and doing all that. I don't think. Uh, let's see, I I don't think I did any kind of heavier drugs until probably around 15 or 16 years old. After that, it wasn't till then that I was like searching out all the the Adderall that I used to stash away so I didn't have to take it when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. <laughs> This is actually some good shit, and I've got it hidden all over this house because I hated taking it going to school. You would just stash it in random places? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had it oh, in flower great. pots around my mom's house up on top of shelves and shit. And <laughs> a gold <laughs> mine. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a party whenever I figured that out. My friends started bringing it over. I'm like, man, this stuff is all over this house right now. <laughs> so that was when – so that was definitely the the honeymoon phase. Um when do you remember like when it started to turn what was i mean what was it like at home like, what was going on with your you know did your mom know obviously i can't imagine she would have been too thrilled like what with her knowing what happened to your dad um okay let's see with my mom my mom was uh my mom didn't really think anything like that was happening for a while i mean it wasn't probably until let me think. Let me think. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I was in. I remember when I came out to my mom about smoking weed. I was, I think she had sort of an idea. So I knew that we were on some kind of like breaking point. I knew pretty soon she was going to either say something to me or, you know, whatever, catch me and my friends doing it. So I remember her picking me up from school one day. I was at, um, it wasn't until, 10th grade I was at Lehigh school she picked me up from school and I decided to just go all out with it I, I pulled this huge fucking joint out of my backpack and I was like <laughs> I was just like straight up mom I want you to smoke this with me and she just looked at me crazy it was like and Esmeralda and I was like what did you just say she's like that's what we used to call those that joint back in the day <laughs> yeah. oh my god <laughs> I was like, that's that's way cooler than I, I even saw that going. But, of course, she didn't smoke it with me. She knew better than that. But she did. She also didn't really... She didn't know, freak out. Yeah, she didn't really freak out. She was just like, okay. what are you doing? Uh, <clears throat> I think kind of at this point, I, I mean, I, I definitely had an idea that my dad was doing drugs. I didn't know to what degree of why he left or anything or uh, to what degree my mom... Secret? Yeah, uh, to what degree my mom even uh, experienced it, you know. So, okay. okay. So I didn't really think much of that at the time. Uh, you know, I, something that sticks out to me whenever, when you said, you know, when was that point when things got bad? It was, uh, I can remember going to Bonnaroo Music Festival in 2005. All right. And I was still, you know, the happy, loving, fun hippie kid that just smoked weed and you know i'd pop a couple lore tabs here and there and you know me and my friends drank a lot and but it was it was at bonnaroo that uh, i uh i first like really experienced like a plethora of all kinds of drugs at once it was my first time taking lsd there it mm. was uh, i tried mushrooms before what, uh, but, what band oh, did you see when you were tripping what do you remember? <laughs> the Mars Volta was oh no, <laughs> was that... one of the greatest. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that was like a formative life experience. Yeah, jeez. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was my most memorable of of the the shows I actually saw there. There were some incredible people there back then. I remember Tranastasio coming out with uh, Modest Yahoo. Nobody knew who Modest Yahoo was back in two thousand five. That's like right when he was even oh, coming yeah. out. He wasn't on the schedule for any bands or anything. He just was there and came out with Tranastasio from Fish. I remember that's how I got introduced to that. It was. Um, we have one listener, Scott Scott uh, Countryman, who is losing his fucking mind right now because you just mentioned fish. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have some like little thing up there where people are typing to you? No, no, no. And this isn't even live, but I'm saying like I will get a text message Monday morning. Like, oh, wow. Bro, he said fish. <laughs> I love you, Scott. Um. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So it wasn't it wasn't just the acid. We uh. I when I, the first time I took acid was not even on purpose. I oh, okay. I uh, you tripped and fell on it. Did you? Yeah. Well, a friend of mine. Um. Uh, I'm not going to name his name or anything, but he was an older friend of ours. He's the one that um, kind of brought me out into the whole uh, live music scene and stuff. Fish, Grateful Dead, all that stuff. Um. He uh, when we got there, as soon as we got there, he. We went straight to what he called Shakedown Street, and that's where like all the people gather up and sell their drugs amongst each other until they go into the the central part of the music festival. And uh, right off the bat, he bought uh, three sheets of some acid from uh, some guy out there, and uh, he gave me one sheet and was like, okay, I want you to break these pieces up sell as much as you can and we'll re-up and keep on buying all our headies from there like all the weed we want throughout the show so i'm like oh cool acid never tried this stuff before fun let's do it so i sat down at the end of a bridge and um started selling acid to people just started breaking it off it starts drizzling outside i have oh, no idea the workings no. of lsd yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's drizzling outside and i've got this thing like open in my hand just like breaking pieces off and before i know it i'm i don't know how long i'd been sitting down at the end of this thing and i look down the way and this whole bridge is just waving at me (laughs) oh my god i'm i'm losing my mind right now and luckily my friend marshall walked up not long after that and he's like what the fuck are you doing right now (laughs) well i'm trying to sell this shit but i'm kind (laughs) of I'm having a little difficulty, man. Yeah, exactly. So he, he, he wraps it up at the 10-4 real quick, and he's like, you need to get out of here. Go enjoy yourself. And so I did. I, I got up, and uh, I probably didn't make it five feet before this hippie starts screaming at all these people. He's like, he's like, you guys are trashing the earth. You fucking frat kids are, are dropping stuff all over the place. I'm getting into it, man. I'm like, I'm like, yeah fuck these guys <laughs> fucking pick up your beer cans <laughs> and i just fo- start following this guy around named b that's all i remember this hippie named b and he's he's taking me around and he's like i'm exploring the universe of bonnaroo with this guy he just like i just like grab onto his arm and he just carries me around like here this follow me i understand where you're coming oh, from what you're wow. doing <laughs> like, i think that's how cults get started i'm like yeah, i'm very yeah. sure that's exactly how <laughs> yeah yeah this really nice guy jim jones was there and he just like he like really opened my eyes to some shit yeah he had the best flavor aid i've ever had in my life <laughs> <laughs> um so did you come back from bonnaroo kind of 
eyes wide open, uh, new oh, world oh, yeah. of chemicals ahead of me. Oh yeah, I came I came back from Bonnaroo with fucking LSD, ecstasy, fucking little bit of cocaine. Like <laughs> I had a little bit of everything I brought back. I'm like, I have to share this with the world. Everyone yeah. needs to try all this stuff. <laughs> that's that's how it goes. Yeah, you become <laughs> the. Usually we become like evangelists for like it's the first time. Yeah, I remember the first time I did ecstasy and trip. I was like, every single person needs to do this right now. And we <laughs> yeah. become these weird acolytes for drugs. Yeah. 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 And um, actually, dude, this has to be pretty close to the time that uh, I met you. We're getting close there somewhere because I was actually I just started dating um, a girl that was best friends with the girl that you dated when I met you. Yeah. So it was around this. I'll never forget. This is what I was getting to. I'll, I'll never forget coming back home and just like hanging out with all of our friends. And I remember this girl took me to the side and she was like, you're not the same person at all. Like, and that really hit me. I was like, and she said it in like a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you're not the same person. You're not the same Sean that left, you know? I don't know what's going on, but it's not you anymore that I see. And I even when I, cause when I had met you on that, yeah, that's exactly around this time. Cause I would have been working around 2006. I got there in 2005. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so close to like your awakening or whatever you want to call it. But, um, I remember going to a state street party and like one of the, this might've been later on, but, um, I'd known about you and we were friends and uh you're always a cool guy and then I see you at this party and you were just so you were just so obliterated, smashed, and you just had like a tall boy of Budweiser that you're just like, Yeah, threw like eight Xanax bars in there, man. They're all dissolved. You want some? And I was sober, so I was like, Nah, 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 cool, but like you look like you're having fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it went downhill. It went downhill real quick. I was, um, I was already known at that point for for my drinking. Like I could, I, I was drinking all my friends under the table. I was, I was that guy that got, you know, completely like I'd, I'd be bonging different types of liter- liquor in a beer bong at a fucking party and still be holding it down with everybody. Uh, God, I remember when we had those little flip phones. I, I had this friend. Um, Oh, I got, I got, I got to tell this in this story. So I, I had this, this party at my house in high school. My mom was always really relaxed about having tons and tons of people over. She didn't really care. She, she wanted me to have fun. And I think, you know, looking back on that now, a lot of that had to do with her trying to make up for the fact that I didn't have a dad, I think. And she mm-hmm. was just like, you know, I just want him to have fun and be himself and live his life. And I don't want to be the person that tells him no about anything. And she's, mm. she's always been like that. And yeah. So I, I'd always have tons of people over. I had this one party at my house, um, where one of my friends brought over this guy. You remember Yorgi? Vaguely. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so my friend brought over this, this foreign exchange student from the Ukraine. And, uh, we had this big party over there. Everything got really wild. Next, I mean, everybody kind of leaves. Next day comes around. I wake up. I go in my living room, and this guy who barely speaks English at all is playing my PlayStation, sitting <laughs> in my living room, fucking 
playing uh, Soul Calibur. <laughs> I walk up to him like, hey, dude, what's up? Uh, I was like, I, I, I got some places to be. I was like, is somebody coming to get you? And he's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> <Don't> really. <laughs> Do whatever you need to do. I'll stay here. I was like, oh, whatever, dude. That's, I guess that's cool. They stayed there for like a week, man. We didn't. No. In <laughs> my like, country, oh, this is how you con you conquer uh, neighbors. God, and he always had those stories. He was always in the. He's he always started off like this. He's if something would be crazy happening, like fucking, we're having a hurricane down there. He's like, he's like, really, this is nothing. <laughs> in my country. In my country, we have category nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, and then the, and then they released the wolves. Right, 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 right. In during torrential rainstorm, then the tigers come out, and it's yeah. uh, it's, it's good fun for Babushka. It's all good. We, um, we have bare knuckle boxing underground matches. Which I killed a priest once, and <laughs> he <laughs> tried to bless me. I hit him with an uppercut. My fist. Yeah. Um. So when and, and I remember going to your I like yeah these are the the times I remember we weren't we were like kind of tertiary friends at this point and I was going through my in and out I think like one of the like I didn't have a group of friends in Baton Rouge at that time and that group was like the first group I <laughs> I guess I picked the winners of when I did start using <laughs> I, I started hanging out with them like Brandon and people and um yeah I remember going over to your house and there's always just like people working on mopeds outside and just, I think you were on house arrest at one point. So that's why we were yeah. always over there. So when did you start? Like when did, uh, the, the hammers get started, stop, started to drop. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I, I always associate that beginning time before there was like ever any kind of like legal trouble or anything with, uh, I, I used to, the sublime times. That's what it was. Cause there was mm -hmm. always, we used to, um, I guess that's a good place to start it. Cause, uh, at some point, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I got tired of paying for weed and we were, we were all of our friends would always be trying to scrounge up money to fucking buy an ounce between us and shit and smoke. And, uh, one day, me and a friend of mine were looking in the backyard because we'd always roll blunts back there. And underneath one of the seats, sure enough, there's a little baby weed plant. <laughs> I'm like, oh, holy shit, this stuff grows like weed. Why aren't we? <laughs> why, oh why, haven't, why haven't we just been growing it ourselves? And that's, oh. that's how it started. I, I started calling in the troops. I'm like, bring all your seeds. <laughs> bring them over to my house. I got a plan. This is going to work great. <laughs> so... You know, and it wasn't just me at the time. It was me and like I had a couple friends that were on different sides of town that all started growing at the same time. And uh, we, uh, I started putting seeds back there. I started getting online, going to Barnes and Noble, getting the the grow guides and stuff, and seeing how to actually do this. And it worked out pretty well. I ended up uh, cutting down all the males when it was time. I had. 103 female plants growing in my mom's backyard oh my god in a, res in a residence i'm sure area. i'm sure the the dreadlocked uh ginger kid buying grow books at barnes and noble <laughs> raised no eyebrows whatsoever like surely he's into roses and cacti yeah yeah that's funny so so how'd that bus go down uh okay um let's see uh the the plants got almost as 
big as my fence. So some of the plants in the oh backyard were were teetering on seven seven feet tall at least. I had a whole bunch of little fluffy ones all over the ground, and um, they were just getting to the point of uh, actually budding at all. I was just getting what I had worked not very hard for because it grows so easily. And, um, you know, I had a few of my special plants that I put inside my room. And, you know, at this point, my mom didn't ever bother us. So my mom never came in my room. She respected my space. She had no idea any of this was going on. I built the fence outside. So it was like you had to lift. You had to put some real strength into this fence to get back there. But everybody, uh. every, everybody fucking knew. I had all these parties at my house. People would come over drunk. And they'd be like, hey, can I go pee in your backyard? And I'm like, yeah, just don't pee on the weed plants. And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go back there and be like, motherfucker, you've got weed plants everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, did you pee on them? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, so who I, knows who tipped off the, the cops, in other words? or No, no, no. There's, 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 uh, we can get to that. It's, um, and of course, I'm sure you could smell it throughout the neighborhood. Um, I remember one day sitting in my backyard with one of my friends, the same one that we actually discovered the plants growing to begin with. We're sitting in my backyard and we're smoking a joint and fucking helicopters are flying at a ridiculously low height right over my backyard. We're both looking up there just like stoned, staring at these fucking helicopters and we're just like, holy shit. What's going on? <laughs> Did someone get murdered somewhere? Oh my god, those are so low. That's crazy. My weed plants are like bending over on the ground because oh, of the. <laughs> my gosh. I'm like, God, kids, I have no respect for my plants. <laughs> and you know, not not a week later was I. Um, oh God, of all things, I'll never forget this. We one of my friends' moms had just been busted for a shitload of crystal meth. 13 pounds of crystal meth. She'd just gone oh. down this, out in, um, where was out in Gonzales. <laughs> and <clears throat> she somehow, you know, is, is somewhere in between all this court shit. She was having a going away to jail party at her house. We were going to go out to Gonzales. We were going over to her house to go party with her one last time before she went out to, uh, that women's prison out there. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I'm online. I'm I'm on the computer. I'm on AIM. You know, fucking uh, jackass CKY0669 at AIM.com. That's uh, AOL Instant Messenger for yeah. you for you youngins out there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm texting my friends. Or I'm mess- not texting. I'm I'm messaging my friends. And um and I, I'm we're actually at the time waiting on my friend to come over with some weed. We're waiting on him to come over with some weed because you know I'm not picking anything off my plants yet. And uh, I, 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 we're, we're already late for the party, so I'm kind of freaking out. I've got like six of my friends in my room with me, and we're, we're sitting there. And I had – there's two. there was two entrances into, into my room. There was you could go into the bathroom or you could go into the, the door at the front, which through all the partying had been cracked in half, duct taped together, and was not able to open. And I, uh, somebody is, I can hear somebody knocking on the door and, uh, uh, they're fucking pushing it to where the tape is stretching on the door. And I'm like, I'm about to go ram the door. I'm like, that's that son of a bitch there with the weed. And as soon as I go towards the door, the whole top of the door cracks open, just cracks off and fucking guns pointed in my room. I've got nine 
sheriffs, um, some God, what the the narcotics team in Baton Rouge at the time. They're all fucking just all through my house, and uh, they pull us all out of the room. Um, they put everybody on the ground. They're like, "All right." Whose weed plants are in the backyard? <laughs> They're gods, man. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, of course. So I'm like, all right, well, those are mine. Uh, they're like, um, yeah, I start I start immediately trying to justify. I'm like, man, they just grew back there, blah, 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 blah. They start going to my room. I've got fucking plants hanging upside down in the closet. They just grew in there, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> they fucking go through my room and... I got all kinds of paraphernalia. I got bongs, fucking uh, light bulbs with fucking burnt crystal meth in them all over. Oh, jeez. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, um. So what happened from that? Uh, well, I went to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I was 17 years old. So, uh, they brought me down to the narcotics office downtown and, um, weighed up all my plants. They, um, they weighed the whole... They pulled all my plants up, roots and all, dirt, everything, put them oh. in brown paper bags, and charged me with 39 pounds of marijuana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn, dude. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what was the – so you went to jail, and then so I mean, what happened? Probation? Because obviously you didn't stay there that time. Yeah, no. Um, I was, I was in there for probably a total of three days, I think. My grandfather – excuse me, my, my grandfather, who is my hero, my savior. He, um, he's pretty, he, he was pretty well connected in Louisiana. He used to be a higher up attorney for Louisiana companies. So he kind of knows everybody. He knew the judges, knew everybody. He, uh, he bonded me out on that. And, um, I ended up getting, (laughs) funny that we get to this now. I, I ended up getting an attorney, who is actually now a federal attorney. He was uh, a friend of the family also. He is, uh, it's, it's actually whose house I left today. I'm working on his, one of his rental properties today. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the, the full circle-ness of yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm doing work on his house, his rental property. And he's supposed to, he's, he's actually, he's probably going to be who I'm going to be running from next year when we actually move out. Um, but yeah, he's a friend of the family. He, uh, he got me, um, he got it dropped down from 39 pounds of marijuana, which of course originally would be a federal offense. Got oh, down. Yeah. To, yeah. Um, he got me down to a second offense possession of marijuana and got me. Wow. Yeah. They say money can't buy happiness. God, you know, the right people in Louisiana. You I know it's so sad. Know. Like, so, um, I want to, so that's so first real consequence. Um, I want to kind of fast forward a bit. So you got out. Obviously, things didn't get better. When did you? Um... No, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, I went to jail for three days. Scared me to death. You know, I've got fucking dreads. I'm a skinny little white boy going to the parish, fucking for the first yeah. time in his life, crying on the phone like, oh, <laughs> please get me out of here. They're gonna rape me. You know, got to tell that story to him. That makes things move along quicker. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, of course things didn't stop. I I got back out and 
you know, everyone rejoiced. Uh, Sean's out of jail. What yeah, happened? Party time. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and you know, the, the craziest part about the whole getting busted right before I never would have, I never would have wielded any real kind of prosperity or, you know, free smoke from any of this. Cause hurricane Katrina didn't happen, but a month later from all this, you know, Oh, that's so great. <laughs> it that that would have been poetic justice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I get out, I continue my partying. Um, you know, I become a local legend almost, you know, in my own eyes, at least, you know, everybody's like, Oh, Sean, the fucking Sean of the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was riding this wave here and everybody, you know, everybody's talking about me at the time and it's like, and things couldn't get better. Fucking, I got, um, well, yeah, and to put it, you know, to put it into perspective, like this is like the local equivalent of like if Charlie Sheen got sober, like for real, it was like, yeah, you you did have that. I mean, you did have that. Um, yeah, everybody knew Sean. Everybody knew Sean was fucked up. Yeah, know? yeah. Like it, oh, and that's 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 like also what I was getting to with the Yorgi thing. I'll never forget for the longest time when we had those little flip phones, Yorgi. Yorgi was the, I think Yorgi was the first person to ever tell me that I was an alcoholic. He, he, <laughs> and I'm no alcoholic. Uh, yeah. He's from, from the Ukraine and people drink there, but not like Sean Dunbar. He's like, you, he, he's like, I want you to record something for me. So he had one of those little recorders when you could record somebody's voice and put it on your ringtone. And his ringtone for me was, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> oh my god! That was it. It was he just recorded. He's like, I want you to say it. In my country, uh, uh, whenever you admit something, it grants you freedom. <laughs> Man, my my accents are off. I regret doing them. Yeah, I, um, used, to, I used to be able to do a way better Yorgi too. I, I know. I'm slipping. <laughs> um, so, I, for the sake of brevity, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. So, you you got you. Married sweet lady heroin like we all did. Um, mm-hmm. That's which is so funny. That was like part of the original appeal of me moving to Baton Rouge um, was because there was so little heroin there at the time. But this was during the uh, OxyContin craze, and as soon as that ended, then heroin came back into the picture. So yeah, I guess we were all on OC80s at the beginning there. Heroin still really wasn't around, like talking about. Um, yeah, it was, so it was the a next rarity. Time, it was a rarity. It was, and, and like the next time you came into my life was, uh, and you don't remember this, but it was, um, I was living in Spanish Town. Um, this was during my two years when I was, I convinced myself that alcoholism wasn't real. There's no such thing as a disease. I'm fine. I'm managing because I was selling all my meds. So I kind of had my shit together in a weird sort of way, and you had called me, and this is when you were kind of untouchable in town too. <laughs> Um, just because of your history of incarceration and doing fucked up things, but you came over to my house and you were crying and you were like, girlfriend, uh, I think I want to say it was when your girlfriend was pregnant or something. And you're like, I need to go, I need to get into rehab or I'm going to go to jail and I'm detoxing. You're just a mess, dude. And, uh, yeah. So that was my next, uh, seeing you. And then I didn't see you again for years after that. Uh, 
I'm not, I see, and I, I always tell you this, I can't remember exactly when that was. If it was, if, if I had a pregnant girlfriend at the time, it had to be, shit, it had to be um, really close to what I call the end. It was um, 2014, my son was born. So around 2013, things were definitely a mess there. Um, I was definitely living this crazy double life where, I, you know, thought nobody, I thought, I thought my girlfriend didn't know you know we had a house out on chime street i guess i was around that time it had to have been if i had a she was pregnant at the time <clears throat> and the cops were always after me at that time too so yep, <laughs> yep. yeah uh, and i was on meth so i was super sketch about having you over to my house because i yeah. was very paranoid about anyone i was like uh-uh, the, cop, man. the, the, the cops, cops are just... asking the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah dude like and you came here bro um no, but I think, well, and I guess we can, so you, um, I think this is when you went to Cinecor. Oh, shit, no, then I didn't have a pregnant girlfriend, then I was, or it might have been, I don't know, but I guess, um, we can kind of conglomerate, um. Okay, well, look, Cinecor was, okay, um, so anyway, from that, that recharge, I got, uh, five years probation, I ended up screwing up so many fucking times, got off, got, got so many fucking chances like all those chances that people are like this is your last fucking chance like the judge is yeah. telling you in your face this is your last chance mr dunbar of the instructor mcfly <laughs> we can edit yeah. that huh? <laughs> oh we, we've already been saying my name throughout this whole thing that's oh yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter it's all good okay so yeah it's your last chance mr dunbar that's uh you, you come back in front of me again you're getting your time that's it and you know of course none of that really matters when you're out there doing all that it's like right. when it comes down to it i'm gonna be i'm gonna have everything in me like okay you know maybe they won't drug test me <laughs> yeah it's willing to roll the dice when like yeah. every, literally like your entire life is on the line it's that little like yeah. eh, maybe it won't happen yeah so i ended up um i ended up doing eight years of probation on that like they extended God, it dude, yeah on a five-year is... probation sentence they they kept extending they're like Maybe this motherfucker's gonna make it. Maybe, maybe, and I, it just kept going like that until, um, I got arrested in Florida uh, with some friends, and uh, they did. It was the first time that they, they, I got arrested, and they couldn't put a probation hold on me because they didn't know I was arrested in Florida. It was the weekend; nobody had gotten the the memo yet, so I got bailed out before that. And yeah, my poor grandfather came all the way to Florida to bail me out, and. I tell him to stop at our church's chicken so I can use the bathroom. I called my friends and just left my grandfather. I said, I'm, I'm at the beach already. Wow. I'm going, I'm going to wow. party down here while I can. I had surgery on my leg for that schedule for that Monday. And I said, fuck it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going. Wow, dude. I had a torn meniscus. Just didn't go to the surgery. Just left, left from there. I was like, I'm not going back. I don't want to. So, uh, damn. Well, of course, they did end up getting the memo eventually. I went back oh, to court for a probation review, and uh, uh, my 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 fucking probation officer. She came. She I I talked to her on the phone before that. She's like, "Oh yeah, everything's fine. Seems like it's gonna go good. We might ask to to get you off probation." She was playing me so fucking hard, dude. And she, oh, dude. Yeah, I, I saw her in court, and she uh, she she had a smile on her face. She's like. I was like, yeah, I'm going to ask if we can maybe cut it short, blah, blah, blah. She completely fucking lied to me so I wouldn't run out this courtroom. 
And as soon as she got up there, she's like, um, Your Honor, I want to ask for a probation revocation to give Sean his time. Um, he was he was arrested recently in Florida. Did not tell me about it. Um, oh, you bitch. <laughs> I just look at it, my jaw drops. I'm sure the judge was like, oh, my God, look at this fucking kid in front of me. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they, they put me back in jail that day. And uh, God, you know, shit always seems to work out crazy. I um, my, my grandfather was able to come visit me because he has attorney rights. So he's able to come visit me when he wanted. He, he was kind of up there to see me, telling me, you know, there's nothing we can do, blah, blah, blah. I end up getting on trustee in the prison. I, I, I worked my way in the, um, my job was doing file work for the DA's office from prison. So they were bringing me out of prison during the day and I was doing file paperwork. I was working for Kelly Walker. Kelly Walker is the assistant DA in Baton Rouge. I go into his office one day, he's sitting me down, he's talking to me. He's like, Sean, tell me, tell me your story. How, how did you end up in a place like this? You seem like a good kid. You know, I can always put that vibe off to the, <laughs> to oh, the yeah. man that I need to. And I, uh, I'm looking around his office and I noticed this crazy thing on top of his fucking, um, door frame. He's got a laminated weed leaf, my laminated weed leaf from when they fucking raided my house. To no from my house. Was, I was like, where did that come from? I was like, I used to have one just like that. I laminated one from one of my own pot plants. He's like, he's like, what year was this? And I, I told him all about it. He's like, I was at that raid. I raided your house. I was on the narcotics team when that happened. That is your weed leaf right there. <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. He's like, He's like, this is crazy, man. He's like, um, he's like, do you have a lawyer or anything right now? And I was like, no, dude. I, Hell no. I don't. I, I, my grandfather can't do a whole lot for me at this point. He's he's getting old. He's not really doing anything like this anymore. He's like, let me talk to somebody. He had a lawyer come visit me from from up at the courthouse. I was in jail, and he'd come get her to come meet me. And this fucking lawyer ended up getting me Cinecor from there, and. uh Cinecor uh, is the so it's an eight eighteen to twenty four month behavioral modification quote unquote rehab. Um, it's 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 where it's your last fucking stop before you do it's your time. Your last it's, stop. Yeah. It's your, I mean, you you have a few people that'll go in there willingly, but most that of them was me. Stay. Yeah, <laughs> a few fucking idiots that just go in there. I, I thought it was weird when everyone asked me like. So what's your sentence? And I'm like, uh, no, nah, man, I'm here willingly. And they're like, do what? Like, what? <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah. So yeah, they told me, um, you know, you go to you go to Cinecor or you uh, you're doing eight flat. That's what you're backing up now at this point. And um, oh damn. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do Cinecor then. <laughs> Uh, I was like, but but you, you're sure you, you can't get me in a 28 day program before we do this? <laughs> you don't think I could just do this? So yeah, I went to Cinecor. I um, I made it. I always do good. You know, I've been to probably eight treatment facilities in my life, and I always do good in treatment facilities. I make it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm able to get through it. I I get that inkling of hope in my head. I'm like, you know, maybe 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 this is what I need. Maybe I, you know. Maybe I don't have to fucking go back to those same people that I'm going to fucking go back to because I will. They're my friends. I love them. <laughs> right. But I uh, I do good in these places. I uh, 
I went through, I was there for 13 months. And finally, after 13 months, I went up for a probation review and they let me off. They, they told me like, you know, you look, you seem like a different person now. You're, you look, you've done a lot here. You've, you've proven yourself. You've been here for over a year. They're like, we're going to terminate your probation successfully. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's my decision now. Um, <laughs> what do I do? Do I leave Cinecore now? Like I've gotten this far into it. Oh, fuck yeah, I leave Cinecore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I came it's back. Maybe- I gave it. I gave it a few weeks. I I, uh, I ended up talking to my boss where they were sending me in Morgan City at a shipyard. He told me he'd hire me on, uh, which is not he wasn't supposed to do according yeah. to cynical contract and shit, but. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he hired me on, and I it was I almost cried when I saw how much money they were supposed to be paying me that whole time. I was like, oh my god, like, jeez, this is what Cinecore is taking from people. But okay, all that aside, Cinecore is a great place. Cinecore will teach you some shit that you need to know, like with boundaries and everything. My only, it's, it's true. My only beef there with Cinecore. You know, of course, other than, you know, you have to bitch about how they take all your money from your job and shit, but they are housing you there. They're doing all that, but there's not really a system for when you get out. It's not real life. It's not, it's not real life. It's not, it's yeah. not how it, it, it'll teach you what you need to know, but you're fucking shell shocked when you get back out in the free world. It's like, yeah. man, well, I'm not quoting the cynical philosophy and wearing fucking bright green shirts and having to pretend like I'm. You know, not don't on the cell phone stash in my underwear at all times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it does teach you good things. Um, which you mentioned Brennan earlier. That's where he's at right now. He's still he's been, there. Been there for over a year. Yeah. I just Is he uh, doing good. I sent him a letter the other day. I haven't heard back from him yet. I've wow. talked to his mom about it though, and uh, she said he's he's doing really good over there. He's He's sober right now. Which is, this has got to be the longest brand's been sober since oh. he's like ten years old. Oh, by a long <laughs> shot. But yeah. Um. So how long did it take from when you? So this will be. So <clears throat> this is coming up on like the end. The end because. Um. Oh yeah, we're getting. I, yeah. Um. I had gotten out of uh parish prison and um met up with Kaylee. We relapsed. Gotten kicked out of our Oxford houses. We we're shooting dope. Um. And then I re-hook up with you, and you're selling dope now. And I'm like, hey, my buddy, you got what I need. Um, and you, then I was like, yeah, you told me about getting um, being in Cinecor and making a bunch of money. And I was like, well, dude, in my mind, I was like, dude, if I could ever just make a certain amount of money, then no fucking problem. Then, like, how, what's the deal? How, how is it possible to fail if you're making a lot of money? This is my, my logic back then. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, I, I still remember, I mean, as fucked up as we were, it was very poignant. You're like, oh, it doesn't matter, dude. Just like the, the money goes up, the habit goes up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, shit. That, that really, that, that part of it really hit me hard. Actually, right before all that, before I went to Cinecore, I was, I was, I was out there fucking crazy. I, I can't, I can't imagine. I don't, I don't know how I survived on the amount of like Oxycontin, Dilaudid, uh, fucking morphine, fentanyl patches, like the shit that I was taking on a daily basis because I was selling mm-hmm. drugs so much. It was like, I was moving like 
at any given time, I'd have $2,500 in my pocket, just extra. And I'd fucking just be, I'd be trading drugs and fucking doing them all day and fucking giving them away and all this shit. And it just got to the point where you know, everything was just a complete blur. I'd, I'd wake up and I've got fucking 20 half broken up Oxycontin pills on the floor. Like who the fuck has that? Like that's right. It was insane. I had to go to jail. I had to be stopped. <laughs> yeah. I really had to be. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So yeah, I get out of Cinecore and, um, I'm like, man, I, I need a fucking car. I need it. I need a girlfriend. I need, <laughs> I need all these yeah. things right now. Like I, I've been missing out on so much. I have to catch up now. So that's what I did. I, I went and bought a BMW. I had all my first paycheck. I was like, I got I can pay for a car now. I'm making $1,700 a week doing yeah. work seven days a week, you know, driving back and forth from Morgan city. So I bought a fucking BMW, which was crazy i ended up living out of it six months later um <laughs> good investment then so you bought a house is what you're saying yeah exactly yeah um I'm it was good at first, my first house uh bought my first house it was a bmw 3 series right i i i wasn't i didn't i didn't start um getting high for a little bit after i got out i, I kept it i kept it together for a short amount of time i ended up um talking to this girl that uh was living in Florida at the time. And, um, I, uh, my parents were getting married. My, my, my stepdad now, my mom decided they were going to get married. And, uh, I was like, well, fuck, I need a date to this wedding. I can't show up alone. Blah, blah, blah. So I messaged this girl. She's, she's living out of a tattoo shop in uh, Florida. I'm like, Hey, be my date to a wedding. I just bought a car. I'll come get you right now. <laughs> Let's do this. So, you know, I, I gotta have something to, to boost my confidence now because i'm actually going to be face to face with a girl i'm like oh i better grab a 40 ounce or something and start drinking from there and bring her out like, it didn't it didn't get too bad and until uh you know maybe a few days into the relationship <laughs> yeah we got uh, <laughs> we start her thing was cocaine and mine was uh painkillers so eventually we just mixed them all together in one huge spoon and lost our minds that, that went down downhill really quickly we were living out of that bmw and um uh, eventually some one of the the people i was buying drugs from borrowed the car blew it up so that had again um uh not long after that i uh ended up with the girl who I had my first child with this was i was kind of in and out of of getting like really hardcore into shit this is um this is around the time that I was, you know, selling all that shit. I was mm -hmm. kind of with her. I was, I just, maybe I, was I going to the methadone clinic at the time? At some point that was involved too, but uh, no, that was, that was right at the end of um, the BMW days. So um, yeah, I got with this, with this girl. I was like, man, she doesn't, she's not a drug addict. She can. Maybe I can just hang on to this for a little bit and shit will get better that way. I'll go hide out at her house and fucking Walker and live out there and, you know, get away from everything. But, you know, Baton Rouge calls to somebody, you know, it, you got to go. It's, yeah. it's a black hole. I'm very proud of you for getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so ended up getting a, a girl pregnant and I was like, maybe maybe this will be it. Maybe this will changed my life maybe i can mm -hmm. i can be a father i don't you know i um but i was still i was still i didn't know how to stop still i was 
to know how to stop without being you know, put in jail or something. Something had to stop me. I had to run headfirst into this brick wall. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't hitting it yet. I, um, she, I, things started to get crazy between us and she started, you know, calling the cops on me and the cops got, got so familiar with me over at that house on Chime Street. They'd, they'd come over and I'd already be on my bicycle. I'm like, I know the drill. I'm, I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm going to leave. You don't have to put me in jail. I'm, I'm just going to leave for a little bit. You know, like, you know, she's just going to fucking call you back later. Like, yeah. All right. Peace out. <laughs> but <sighs> one night, uh, one night, it, uh, I guess we, we took the argument a little too far. She had locked me out of the house. Um, my pills were inside, so I had to get in this house. You know, I was paying. Well, yeah. <laughs> I left my pills inside. So there's burglar bars on the outside of this house. I summoned my Hulk strength and ripped the burglar bars off the back of the house went in through the back window, just smashed everything on the way in, fucking uh, picked up my pills, picked up my cell phone. She had my phone too, so that was bad news. She was already going through my texts like, oh, okay, so you're selling drugs too and yeah, you know, all this yeah. stuff behind my back, fucking hanging out with these girls at these fucking casino hotels and all this stupid shit that I was doing. And um, she called the fucking cops on, well, she said she was calling the cops on me. I didn't believe her. So I grabbed her phone out of her hand to see, put it up to my ear. They're like, 911. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You really called the fucking cops <laughs> at a time like this? And, you know, uh, so I got, I actually got a, um, not an assault charge, but a domestic abuse charge for taking her phone out of her hands. And, uh, yeah, they, they had to put me in jail that time. So they did that. Uh, and while I was in there, I found out through a three-way phone call that she was pregnant with my kid. While I was in prison in wherever the hell, Louisiana, up in the top of Louisiana somewhere. And uh, yeah, that's how we get to that. And that's when I start working out. I'm like, man, I got to gotta be all buff and strong. I'm going to be a dad now and things are going to change. That's, that's when all that came into play. And I came out and I... I did pretty good. I maintained for a little bit, but there was always the same people around. They knew where I lived. I knew how to find them. We were always right around the corner from each other. I was right next to State Street, which is my stomping grounds. We um, we always seemed to find each other again. And uh, so that's when I started leading this double life where during the day she'd be at work, going to work, doing her thing. And I was off selling drugs and getting high drinking with my friends and coming back and pretending like I was going to be this guy that was going to be a great dad after, you know? Yeah. uh, You know, she eventually, I think we came back from the casino one night and she found one of my needles in my boot. And that's when it was, it was enough. She's like, you know, you're not trying to change. You've been bullshitting me this whole time. And, um, uh, she kind of split it off with me and, of course, in my head, I'm like, oh, well, fuck it. Fuck everything. I can't fucking, I can't get my shit right. So I'm just going to fall off way deeper. Here it goes. This is, this is it. And, um, that's what I did until right around the time that, uh, he was supposed to be born. It was like right, right before it was right towards the end of the year, right around Christmas time or something. And she calls me back. And so I come up with this maintenance plan. I'm like, I'm not, I can't, I can't just stop. 
you know, I got to, I got to wean myself off. So I started getting some boxing and stuff. I told her I was clean. I told her I, I, I'd stopped everything and I was, she knew I was still smoking weed, of course, but other than that, she didn't know anything. I was still taking some boxing and shit and we're getting back together and for the sake of the kid and, uh, it just, uh, it, it fell back apart the day my son was born. She, I fell asleep finally after all the labor. She grabbed my cell phone while I was sleeping in the hospital at the, at the place. I had been meeting my friends to get Suboxone down at the parking lot. I've been, you know, uh, I thought I was doing great, you know, and, um, she just saw all these text messages in there. I was still fucking selling some stuff, trying to make money. And of course, I'm like, oh, it's for the kid, man. I got to have some money to <laughs> support this yeah. child. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why my son doesn't have my last name. She changed all that while we were in the hospital, right? The day he was born. Um, yeah, and that was that was tough on so me. He- <laughs> yeah, I, I- yeah, dude. So you so heavy heavy consequences. Um, I'm gonna skip you till because we gotta we gotta, uh, and that's the end of the story. He's still fucked up, ladies and gentlemen. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get to the last um, that last bust that happened mm. and how you got clean. Okay. So uh, around. When was this man? It was it's right after right after my son was born. It was right after my son was born. I was um Yeah, this yeah, would have been twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she got she uh she got rid of me. My uh one of my good friends passed away right around the same time. People uh people all around me were overdosing everywhere. It was bad around the State Street Carlotta area. The Brave team was very active around the area at the time. And um one of my friends that had passed away, I ended up moving in with uh his parents you know I, sh- I felt like i shared something they lost a son i felt like i had lost my son too because she wasn't letting me see him she was you know um and you know these had always been people that i considered family and they you know they also allegedly sold drugs and you know so it was it was win-win for me we both you know we shared the same pity mm-hmm. we shared the same addictions so we uh started sharing the same trap house <laughs> as, as you'd say uh so I was, I was living back off of um uh carlotta at the time and uh yeah everybody around me was selling everybody was selling drugs everybody was selling heroin at the time it was it was everywhere it was it was so easy to find it was heroin and crystal meth just everywhere and um Every house I could go to, I could fucking find the shit on the block. And if I wasn't already selling it to them, it was, you know, uh, I started watching all the houses around me get busted. You know, I knew my time was coming. I did. I, it just, it didn't matter at that point. It really didn't. I, I was watching every single house with all the people I knew, you know, one house would go down. I could see the brave team in the parking lots fucking busting these houses. I'm like, Oh, and there's more of my people, blah, blah, blah. And then they, they wouldn't be in jail. Like, oh, well, now they're ratting. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. That's, how that, that's how that goes. Yeah. And, uh, Roll it on down the line. Mm-hmm. And then everybody I'd see it, I mean, they'd all convened at the Circle K and talk about who's ratting on who. And it was all them. It was all of them. Yeah. 
Everybody was. Yeah. That's why you're not in jail. <laughs> 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 it was wild though. And uh so yeah, I was it was getting like uh real close to it was hitting real close to the to the old trap home and um I remember uh, a couple weeks before this uh, this is a uh, yeah so somebody that I was around at the time uh, overdosed and it was somebody that I used to sell to and uh, there was and people somebody called me um, and told me that this person had passed away and that I was under suspicion for it. And it was, it was happening all around me. People were overdosing. And I knew at some point they were, I was going to have to be at least questioned when everyone around me is going to the hospital overdosing or, or dead and or getting busted, everyone that's in my circle. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it came and it went and it was like, uh, I don't know, I, I remember feeling like, I was like, what if I am responsible for this? And it, it it really got to me like what if I'm responsible for someone else's death like just like all these people that I know like what what if I'm I'm the one who sold this guy drugs that killed him and yeah, yeah it it really hit me hard and um I made a decision that I was gonna change things and I was like I was like I have to I gotta wean myself off but I just I still didn't I still didn't have the right way to go about it. I, I was, um, I, I, I texted everyone in my phone. I texted everybody and I was like, listen, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I'll point you in the right direction, but I can't be the one that supplies you. Can't do it. I, uh, it was just, it was too little too late at that point. It was, um, I went to a, a friend's house and, uh, I remember leaving that house and I came out and I saw this truck with blacked out windows and I looked at it and I knew it was my day. I knew it was, I just, I knew it. Yeah, I, was, I was leaving. So weird how you can have those feelings. Yeah. And I was like, that's the fucking grave team. Why they're sitting outside the house. I just left with all these fucking kids over here. And somebody called me, the girl who uh, was staying with me and uh, my friend's family. And she called me out of nowhere and was like, Hey, I need you to uh, come pick me up. My son, I'm supposed to come see my son. I hadn't, she never talks about her son, I, but I didn't, I didn't find it weird. I was just like, okay, yeah, of course I'll bring you to go see your son. She's like, my sister's coming in town. I get, I get a chance to finally see him. And I was like, yeah, I'll bring you down there. Go to pick her up. Uh, at my friend's parents house out there. And they're all like, well, look, if you're going down to state street, we got business down there. I'll, I'm gonna get in the car with you too. And, they all hop in the car too. I'm like, all right, great. I got to go mow my grandparents grass. So I'm going to drop you all off down there and go do that. And, um, I had somebody else text me at the same time. And it was this kid that, uh, was always around the person that had passed away recently. He was telling me, he's like, he's like, Hey man, I know you got something. Just come meet up with me at the guy who's passed away's apartment. And I found that really strange. I was like, I was like, why, why would I go there? Like nobody lives yeah. here. Yeah. Like what? I was like, I don't have anything, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, he just kept, he kept egging it on. And he kept hitting it. So I threw my phone on the ground in the car. I was just like, fuck this shit. There's some weird shit going on. 
I don't want nothing to do with it. The girl beside me in the car is acting really strange at the time. It was, it was just really awkward. It looked like she'd been crying, and I, I didn't know. Uh, this is making my like, heart drop. I know how the story ends, but it's just like, <laughs> so if you're listening, this is like like no TV bullshit aside. Like This is how setups actually work. Is they're just going to get someone and get them to lie for the police and just set someone up. Yeah. So this girl, this girl who I've been living with, she's sitting beside me in the passenger seat. Her makeup's all running down her face. I'm like, hey, cheer up. Look, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make it down to campus. You're gonna get to see your kid and stuff. And she's she's just still acting really down about it and stuff. I'm like, oh, it's it's cool. Well uh I get on Florida Boulevard. Uh we're driving down the street. Everybody's talking in the back seat. Blah, blah, blah. It's everybody's except for the girl next to me. She's still dead silent. She's just staring at her phone. Uh. And um I look around me in traffic and there's nothing but blacked out windows car in front of me both cars on side of me i look in the rearview mirror i'm like hey does anybody have anything on them right now because this looks bad like these are probably undercover cops next to us and everybody's just talking real loud not really giving a shit and they're like no no blow it off blah blah blah. so i i'm I'm sketched the fuck out at this point so i'm i'm going around campus but i'm I'm taking all the back roads i go down st rose down park go back to the neighborhood come around the cars aren't around me anymore they drop off by the time i get to government street <clears throat> so the girl next to me uh no, no no the people in the back seat are like hey let's get some drinks for the kids down at the circle k um and the girl next to me finally speaks up she's like she's like no no let's just let's just walk to go do that I'm like, well, we're already in the car. Why don't we stop at the Circle K before we hit the house? We'll go down to the Circle K, uh, go get the drinks, come out, and um, there's. Uh, I, I just get boxed in immediately as soon as I pull out the parking spot back on the State Street, and uh, all these people jump out, fucking guns in hand, say, Sean Dunbar, get out of the car. You're under arrest. Oh. You're under arrest no. for second degree murder. And holy shit, I just I, I lose my voice. I'm just what? Excuse me. <laughs> Second degree murder. And people in the back seat had uh, 10 grams of heroin on them oh. in my car. Uh, they didn't find anything on me. Um, I had something on me. They didn't find it. I had it in the pocket of my underwear at the time. Um they bring me down to the police station and on the way there I turn my underwear around backwards I pull this little box that I have with some Xanax my last little fucking bit of dope that I had on me I had a little bit back at the house <clears throat> um, the girl that's in the passenger seat doesn't go to jail with this obviously she's been talking oh, I wonder why. Yeah, she's talking to the police the whole time on her cell phone telling them where we're headed. Um, <clears throat> she brings them to the house, gives them my safe, uh, which also contains heroin, scales, casino cards with my fucking name on it. Fucking every, <laughs> every In case they weren't sure exactly whose safe that was. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All, uh, pills, fucking fentanyl patches, all, all, whatever the hell is in there. Is, uh, yeah, so I go to jail down there. I, I end up pulling the little box that I have on me out of my 
side of my boxers, twist it around, and throw it in the fucking parking lot at the police station before we walk in and get searched, like strip searched in there. So yeah. they, never, they never found anything on me. I went to jail for second-degree murder. They never charged me with it. They kept telling me detectives were going to come talk to me. Uh, they never did. Um, yeah, I ended up getting... Let's see. First of all, I went to jail, and it was complete trauma. I wasn't able to speak at all. I wasn't able to talk to anybody. I uh, I started detoxing almost immediately. I guess more from shock, almost. While I was mm-hmm. in, the, in the holding tank, I was I was fucking throwing up and couldn't speak. And I just remember thinking, like, man, I'm I'm never gonna see my son. I'll never see my child again. This is it. Like all that shit. Nobody's gonna cop to that. It's, it's ten grams of heroin. They're they're giving out life sentences for drug dealers right now. Like <laughs> but uh I ended up getting a uh a lawyer while there. He uh he ended up getting everything dropped down to possession of heroin, which is amazing. It was, God, the way he explained it to the judge, he went up there and he was like, he's like, your honor, 10 grams of heroin is like, he's like, he, he holds up a little sweet milk packet. He's like, that's just 10 of these. It's <laughs> 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 like, oh my God, this guy right here. But he, he really pulled for me. But, at first, he was telling me, he's like, you know, Sean, you're in the big leagues now. They're they're looking at you on a possible murder case. You're, you'd be lucky to walk with 50 years. Like, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I I, I gave up on myself, Ugh. man. When I was in there, I was laying in bed. If I wasn't laying in bed, I was doing what I could to get the drugs that came on the line. I was just fucking getting high, trying not to think about any of this. And I was like, this is it. I, I will die in a fucking prison cell now. Uh, you know. And uh, he ended up getting me in the end after sitting in the parish for eight months, going back and forth to little court hearings and deciding what the DA was going to agree with. They ended up, um, they gave me 10 years, but they gave me five and five and they ran it concurrent based on what a judge that quit um, had already agreed to with my lawyer, apparently. And he quit. Another judge came in. He's like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing around here. Like, if it was up to me, I'd have given you 10 easy. Like, off the oh, bat. He's like, he's like, you've had too many chances. I don't understand who's out there pulling for you. But this, I mean, I can't go back on what this other judge has written down here on this paper. But just know that you're lucky. It's <laughs> like, you better do everything possible to get your shit right while you're in there. It's like, I'll see you in five years. And, uh, yeah, I, mean, I cried. I cried so fucking hard when they told me that. I was like, five years? Like, I have a chance at life again. And I, um, but then they sent me to Tensaw. <laughs> Tensaw fucking prison. And that is not the place you want to be. This is the day that I went in there. I walked in this fucking place so fucking scared and already automatically. And I I could already tell it was like a really relaxed prison. Like I was, I was like, anybody could get away with anything. When I, when I came in, they, they, 
the the Sarge comes in in a wheelchair, rolls in there. He's like, oh, "What's up?" He starts he starts dapping off his homeboys that are coming in the bus with me. I'm like, "Holy fuck, what is this?" He starts looking through my stuff. Like he leans over out of his wheelchair, like lifts up one of my shirts. He's like, "He's good." Oh no! <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, oh no. no!" They put me in a dorm. As soon as I walk in, I uh, I hadn't even put my bag of stuff down to go to my bunk yet. Somebody calls me to the back back there, and he's got a fucking spoon and needle. He's like, "White boy, you think you could hit me?" what the fuck yeah people are shooting heroin in this fucking jail it's like tent city in this place the fucking the the prisoners run this place uh i get back to my bunk and somebody pulls out a fucking shank and just puts it in the side of this dude's arm i don't know he he hits the guy in the side of the cheek the guy pulls it out of his cheek and just puts it back in the dude's arm the fucking cops come in there pull one guy out that's bleeding and put him in in a lockdown cell for three days (laughs) <laughs> oh jeez dude i was like i'm gonna die here now that all this has already happened i'm gonna fucking die here and i i got uh, i lost a little hope actually i started smoking spice in there and oh that's a bad uh, idea yeah that's yeah a bad idea. getting these paranoid feelings i'm like this is this is all some government fucking experiment out here they're getting they're sliding this shit in through the hatch giving us spice and fucking watching us through these cameras all day <laughs> i mean i'm with that theory i kind of i kind of yeah. it might be so i mean is this where you know did you find god in there i mean uh i want to say that i did i called you from there i know I called that's, you that's that. so this is when i yeah yeah i i because i had just started getting sober which i don't you know who knows how much longer i might have been able to stay out there if you were still selling it's like you know things happen we were talking about that too we're like man you got to read the signs and like things fucking happen and you you, it's like we're given a chance to get out or like suffer the consequences and so i started to read the signs and when you went down i was like man this is this is it um so yeah i'm sober and then you start calling me from from uh prison and uh, i'll I'll never forget that because I was right there, like on the edge of fucking. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I was like, I'll probably die here. I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen in here. Like, white people don't make it long in this place. Like, it's, it's fucking crazy. Had I, had I not been able to draw, to some degree, people's tattoos, they probably would have fucking stabbed me. I'm almost sure of it. Um. So yeah, I did a lot of praying while I was in there. I started to, I was going to the prayer circle of like three <laughs> people in there amongst all the murderers and rapists and stuff like doing fucking life in there. And it was, it was an eye opener. I decided sometime at that point, that's, that's when I started calling fucking friends and stuff. And it was, it was, I, that's when I was just like, man, I need some kind of like outside assurance here like what's going on out there and sure enough like somebody like you was sober and i was like man that, that brought tears to my eyes I was did like, it really oh yeah oh yeah for sure i was in a oh, hopeless wow. fucking place and i was like like the first thing that you say is like hey man do you, you, did you find god like what are your thoughts on that that's you were trying to slowly break it to me and i was like man like Maybe things are different out there. Maybe. Wow. <laughs> you know, I kind of called a few other friends and some of them were doing really good out there. And, you know, some of them were up to the same shit, of course, to be expected. But some people were actually making it. And that's, you know, that that gave me that little ounce, like that push. And I was, I started writing letters to other prisons. I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, maybe I can get accepted somewhere else. And um, 
and they did. They they accepted me to a uh, um, a place in Bossier that offered good time. Where I was at, they had no good time. There was no chance of me earning anything to get out earlier or anything like that. Ended up going up to Bossier. They fucking came and got me from there. What's a uh, good what, What's good time for the prison naive out there? <clears throat> oh, that's um. You can do certain things, certain programs. Uh, uh, AA gets you a little bit of good time. Uh, going through GED classes, um, different different programs. Like they offered a rehabilitation program up there. That's you know, it's a nine month thing, and you can earn a year of good time, which oh, means you would get out shit. a year earlier than your actual projected date. I went up there. I got every ounce of good time I could. I started working out, man. I started getting healthy. I was. I stayed to myself. I started reading fucking self-help books. Every everything that I could do to make myself a better person, I did while I was in Bozier. Like that was my, my jumping-off point to like, okay, this is where we I can actually get my life back together. I'll go out there. I'll see my son. I'll be a good father. Uh, so I did that. I got out. Um, I stayed good for a little while. <laughs> this was not the end for me. It just wasn't. I, I came back out and it was like. It was like, okay, I expected everything to be a certain way, and it wasn't. And you know, I didn't understand that. I didn't know how to really cope with that. It's It was so weird getting out of jail. I, I guess I was in there for like two and a half years off of five. Mm-hmm. And um, I got out, and it was like, it was like I, ex- I expected my mother, mother of my child to, to let me see my son. I expected all this shit I wanted I I expected someone to give me a job immediately. I expected everyone to respect the fact that I had just gone through all this and, you know, it's not how it is. It's, no. It's, it, it seems crazy to me now thinking that I even thought like that. It was like, man, like, <laughs> I didn't deserve shit. <laughs> God, it was, I can't believe people fucked with me still. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, my the mother of my child actually did kind of start letting me see my son a little bit it was actually no 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 no, 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 that's wrong that's wrong my mom was seeing my son and my mother of my child didn't know i was out of jail Mm. so yeah so i was seeing my son without her knowing and at some point i i called her and i was like hey i'm i'm here with jacks i'm I'm here with my son right now and she was like uh (laughs) okay, well, we need to talk about some things. And, uh, you know, she, she didn't, she didn't like that, that I was lying to her, not telling her that I was out. Um, she was giving me a little bit of leniency, but, uh, I started drinking with some yeah. friends or like uh new year's and God, it, it didn't take long for me to be right back into all the other shit. I was, I was, I was still being a good dad though, because I wouldn't be high around my son. That's how I was justifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, not getting, I'm not getting high around my son. I'm not going to drink around him. But it started to show through to my friends, the people that you know really cared about me, that were giving me another chance. They started telling me like, "Look, what are you doing?" Like, I'm, yeah, I remember I'm, calling you during that time, and or you telling me you screwed up, and I was like, "Dude, you have to do something. <laughs> like, you can't." Yeah. Like. Yeah, and that. that that really fucking hit me. It was like, I, I didn't have any more of those people that were cheering me on. Like, yeah, let's go get high. Everybody's no. like, Come on, everyone's dude. either dead or in treatment or yeah. yeah, dude, it's yeah, that's over. Get your, get your shit together, dude. And this is coming from people that, you know, did, didn't really have their shit together, but it was like, look at you, look what yeah. you just done. Like, you're just going to throw it all away. And, uh, 
yeah, I went straight back to the people that I ended up taking that dope charge for. I went, I went to them. I was back in their house, living on their couch, selling drugs. As soon as she took my son from me, it was it was just over again. It was like, but I, uh, I, I, I fucking woke up one day. I woke up on that couch one day in that house and. I, I couldn't do it anymore. I just, I absolutely could not do it anymore. I was like, I'm, this is, I'm never, this is not how I see my son again. This is not how I live any kind of life whatsoever. I, I went to them who were selling drugs and they're like, you're right. You need to get your shit together. <laughs> you, to, you, you, your drug dealer tells you, you need to fucking go to rehab. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, I called you. Yep. I did. I called you and I was like, I need, I got to get into a detox or something. I got to get, I have to get away from this to get this thing started in some way. And you recommended me to a place in Lafayette and I went there uh, and I I made, I made my mind up. I I had people in that place offering me Suboxone and shit. I'm like, that's just going to prolong the fucking inevitable. Let me just go through this. Let me scream and claw at these sheets all night and sweat and, let me go through this. I have to, because I've always found the easy fucking way out. Let me go through this. And that's what I did. I went, I, I called places from there. I got into Fountain Blue. I went to treatment there and it was like the, the regular crew of people in treatment. It's like people that were going there for, it was the first time I had, I had been in any kind of treatment facility and it was my own choice. And it was mm. like, I wasn't running from probation. I wasn't being forced in there from a judge. And it was, it was very surreal. It was like um, I was looking at all the people that I used to be in there. All yeah. these it was like all these people were like, "Man, I can't wait for this twenty-three days to be over with, man." I'm like, I'm like, "Fuck, man, that's not long enough." <laughs> no, no, yeah, you know, you know, you might have a chance when when they're like, "Okay, it's a twenty-eight day program," and you're like, "Oh no, fuck that!" Like, give me ninety, yeah. please. Like, yeah, that is like, not. Well, don't well, let where me do I- out. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting there in this place. I'm like, where do I go from here? Like, yeah. I've only got three more weeks to decide. Like, how do I? Like, I can't I can't go back to what I was doing. I'll I'll end up same fucking place. And uh, they had a presentation there for an Oxford house. They came up there and they they um they spouted all this business. It was the first place that I had really even seen that I had considered. I'm like, okay, maybe a halfway house. Like, it's not treatment, but you know, I'll be surrounded by other people who know where to go, know what to do, fucking maybe this is what I need. Like these people seem happy that came and did the presentation and everybody's like, oh, fuck, Oxford House is here to do a presentation again. And I'm like, ask, I'm the only guy raised my hand. I'm like, so wait, where do I get a phone number list from? Like, who do I talk to? How do I, (laughs) how do I do this? And that's what I did. They gave me a list. They gave me a list of all these fucking numbers and not not a goddamn one of them worked. (laughs) You know how that goes. I was calling these phone numbers and all these people were answering and they're like, oh, no, you cannot live at my house. I, <laughs> this is not a treatment facility. And then I call other numbers and people would be straight up honest, but they're like, dude, if you come here, you're not going to stay sober. I'm like, yep. well, thanks. Thanks for being honest with me. Um, yeah. And it, it took me so long. Like, nobody called me back. And uh, it was getting to like my last week there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call. The girls' houses, maybe because I've already I've run that through the list of guys' houses. I'm like, maybe somebody can help me from one of these girls' houses. 
first house I call, this girl answers the phone and I'm like, I recognize her voice off the bat. She's like, uh, hello. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm trying to find a guy's facility. And she's like, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I can get a list for you. I'm like, who is this? She's like, Allison. I'm like, Oh, Allison Mendez. <laughs> Sorry for exposing you on the uh, podcast, baby girl. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, she. Uh, I knew her from. We used to use together, man. We used to get really high together. We used to fucking run the streets out there. She was somebody out there that, you know, I didn't think was gonna live. I've seen her wheeled off on, on the on the uh, the, in, in the ambulances, overdosing out of people's apartments and shit. Her, her and my wife used to run the streets together too. Right? Yeah. It's all crazy thing. Yeah. So. I mean, to have her answer the fucking phone, I was like, Jesus, what is this? This has got to be some kind of sign. Like, Oh, yeah. So she, she got me a phone number. I called this phone number. They got me an interview. Everything started going in motion. They, they accepted me. I, I came over to this fucking house. I called her the day I got out of The day I got out, instead of going back to those people like, hey, everybody on the streets, fucking, I'm back. <laughs> like, yeah. I was, Went to the people that were doing the right thing this time. I, I fucking it, called her and I was like, "Can we go to a meeting? Like, yeah, where do we it, go?" And this is almost like this is the parting of the Red Seas that happens like when it's your time to get sober. It's like those doors fly open and like if you're yeah. once you finally whatever you want to call it, surrender, make that decision, whatever. It's like shit starts to happen in a, in the craziest way. Yeah. It's, it's and it's so wild and I started calling her every day. I know she got tired of me going to fucking meetings because at this point she's already eight months sober. She's not trying to do her first ninety fucking whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm going to a meeting at lunchtime if I can. I'm fucking going to a meeting every fucking night. I'm like I have to. I gotta hear something that sticks. Like I gotta. I've done this so many times, but I, you know I I never I never really did it. Yeah, I was. I've been in these rooms a hundred times. I used to tell people, like, "Oh man, I could run a rehab facility. Of, I know what the fuck I'm supposed to do." <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, I proved that wrong. I never did it. So yeah. I, did. I never, I never did it the way that book says it's supposed to be done. Not until now, and it, it really does work if you do this thing. You know, I, I went to all the meetings, man. I, I, uh, I got involved. I got really involved. Um, off the bat, I started going to Whitehall conventions. I started getting on any any kind of thing I could do in Oxford. I was, I somehow I ended up being the chair of Chapter Seven. I was uh, putting coordinating events for Oxford houses to raise money and shit. And I got I got I I created this system of people around me that I could go to for help. It's and they they were there like this these were people. Yeah, and this was uh if y'all remember my my drug school episodes, that's I was uh going and staying with Sean and Allison um every month in in Baton Rouge and yeah, it's just it's just been a crazy um it's just been a crazy fucking ride. It's really it's still so surreal. So, I mean, what's your life like today? Uh, um wonderful. I have I've just recently had another child, me and Allison. We um we're where Jed was staying with us, we we had our we got our own apartment together, which okay. This is my disclaimer to everybody out there. It <laughs> like, normally doesn't work. <laughs> exactly. This is not. Yeah, we're it, outliers. <laughs> like it's it's amazing that both of us have have 
made it this way, but like, don't go out there and get in a relationship. That was, that scared mm-hmm. me to death. That scared me to death. I told her whenever we, cause we were hanging out every day. It looked like we were in a relationship already, but she was, I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, so what are y'all an item or something? And you're like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. You're super <laughs> it scared me about it. That's it's, good. That's good. Really, that's really that's how you know you stand a chance. Yeah. I, and I was like, I, I remember finally coming to her whenever it all, all came together. And I was like, look, I, you don't want to be in a relationship with me. I was giving her every out possible. I was like, but this is what it looks like. You know, I, I love who you are. I love who you become. You're an inspiration to me and everybody that I see around you. Like I, I would love to stay with you. And that's the way it, it ended up going, I guess. And, uh, it's worked out very well. <laughs> we have a child together now. Um, as of just recently, almost four months old, uh, we both still heavily involved. I'm almost, uh, she's, she's got three years coming up real soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, so, and then, so your newest venture is you started a business. I did. Um, you went from selling dope to selling <laughs> comic books, dude. Right. Yeah. And that has been amazing. It's, it's something I found like really important about this too. Like you can, you can get tired. You can get, you can get burned out on the AA thing can't and yeah you know i see that so much i see all these people that are heavy into it and they know the book back and forth but they fucking drown themselves in it and you have have to find a balance in there yes i was about to say that the word of the day craig is balance (laughs) it's it literally is like we are a people that take things to the extremes Mm -hmm. not not that your comic book collecting isn't a little extreme uh yeah we'll get get about balance you got to have fun you got to find a passion you have to live life that's that's what I was about to say. This is something I'm passionate about. Like this is this is I I remember you know you traded me comic right. books <laughs> for, for dope. dope, and I remember <laughs> loving it so much. And I was like, man, I used to miss this, but it was just and, a and I got those. It was like, yeah, <laughs> I got. Well, yeah, we we re, that was kind of how we rekindled. I got those comic books from just smashing, grabbing Barnes and Noble. Like I would just grab a <laughs> stack and just run out the door. Um, but uh, that was how we, we rekindled. Was was uh shooting meth and, and drawing comics and yeah and i was like oh sweet we're drugging we're uh nerdy drug addicts you know this is cool. yeah but yeah. yeah so um what's it and so you started it i'm sorry continue so you started it into yeah. a business what's it called uh well it's called get you issue comics it's g-e-t-y-a-i-s-s-u-e and um man i mean it started off like I started getting back into the the stuff that I loved and I started finding that, you know, there was a way to get into this and also make money and continue. Just like, I mean, it's so close to drug addiction almost, but it's like, it's, it's a healthier way to, to God, I'm sorry. This is, this is sounding bad, but it's like, it's like, I, I take the things that I know, like when I was selling drugs out there, like I know how to, flip things to make money. I know how to take, take like, like I, I buy, I buy comic books in bulk. I can get rid of the ones that I'm not holding on to. I can put these aside for my kids. And like, this is, this is a, like a, a huge thing out there. Like people, some people don't realize that this underground comic scene is huge and you can make some real money off of this stuff. You find the right stuff you get. This is, this is, this is history to me. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> 
and and I don't think it's wrong. It's it's like literally it's it's I mean it's it's why I'm in counseling too. Is I use every every little sneak trick, every, you know everything we learned out there. It is. I'm putting it to good use. I'm we're putting <laughs> it to good use. It's not like those skills and like desires and passions went away. It's just like there's you know I think they're God given to be honest. I mean, and it's it's just whether or not we choose to be selfish with them. And, yeah, do the right thing. Become a super villain or a superhero in this thing, and like that's it. Use your powers for good now, and it's been awesome. It's been like like uh, you know I've I've been able to meet the creators that like brought all these stories to life like this i I get lost in these stories man it's like it's like a whole different different world it really Mm -hmm. is it's it's something i'm passionate about and it's it's um well it's it's we go back to we refined our inner child really you know which yeah this is this is something that i can have fun with and also make a living off of if i choose to do so you know uh, it's it's great meeting all these nerds out here. I, I started doing conventions and stuff. I love going to conventions. I get to meet the people, like the artists and stuff that put all this together for us. You know, rest in peace, Steve Ditko, recently. Or the creators of Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. That, that was a loss. Um, yeah. Well, dude, thanks. That was really fucking powerful i i I can't believe you haven't ever told your story like you need to put that one on on the circuit dude like that's a really powerful story i thank you for uh finally telling it yeah i'm sorry i think we got lost in some time there i don't know how much of this no i mean fuck it this is gonna be a long one but it was it was just good um i'm sure it could have been much longer and these are those things it's like if ever there's like doubt of God or that he works, it's stories like this, that it's just like, they're so, I mean, find me another group of gutter heroin addicts that are now like married to each other, living good (laughs) lives, being fathers, being parents, working, opening business. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's not supposed to happen. Yeah. So it's awesome. So it's really amazing. This, I mean, this stuff works. You've got to do it. You got to want it, and you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You know, you got to want it. You got to do it. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's cool.